how do we build healthy relationships after being with a covert narcissist? How are these trauma responses still affecting us and how do we turn them off? This is the last episode of this mini series. And I want to thank you so much for taking this journey with me. You know, we've been talking about trauma responses here. We talked about outward responses like yelling, screaming, throwing things. We've talked about inward responses like shutting down and hiding from your own thoughts and opinions. We've talked about tactical responses such as defensiveness or mentally prepping conversations. And we've talked about how these survival skills are similar and yet different from those that are in a covert narcissist. So now I want to dive into how do these survival responses affect us, our current relationships, our future relationships, our life. And how do we stop them? I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. And it is my burning desire to help others who are living the same nightmare that I lived. I want you to know that there is life after narcissism. And if you want to help us spread the word, please subscribe to this podcast. Hit that favorite button or that like button. And if you are willing to contribute to our cause, even the 99 cent subscription helps us so much with how many listeners we have. Thank you to everyone who has contributed so far. Now, how do our survival skills affect us and our relationships? Well, I want to use an analogy here. The analogy I want to use is that of a porcupine. You see, when a porcupine feels safe, they actually can be kept as a pet. They are soft, they're affectionate, and when their quills are down, it's safe to pet them, it's safe to hold them. But when they get defensive, when they get protective, their quills go up. And at this point, you cannot even get near them without getting stabbed by one. Even standing too close will get you pricked, whether you know the porcupine intended to or not. And when you do get stabbed by one, that quill breaks off and it stays inside you. Well, this is a perfect analogy because people are like this too. When you feel safe, you're good to be around. You know, you can be, you can be soft and affectionate. Your defenses are down. You're relaxed. You're easy to stand close to, easy to talk to. But when the environment is no longer safe or you no longer feel safe, whichever of those is true, the quills go up. People around you get stabbed, whether you mean to or not. Just standing too close to that porcupine will get you pricked. Well, the same is true with people. If their quills are up, just being too close to them will get you pricked. And those quills, those stabs stay inside that other person. So what are those stabs when you're dealing with people? You know, we don't have quills. So what are those quills? A sharp tongue, a shorter snappy comment, raising the voice, turning away and refusing to talk, storming off, the silent treatment. All of these are quills that stab the other person. And, and whether that's your friends, your family, your children, a new partner, it can affect a lot of people in your life. So when does this happen? It happens when you do not feel emotionally safe. So when you're living in an abusive environment, victims often feel that they are never emotionally safe. They're living life as a porcupine in a defense mode. Their quills are up all the time. And you feel like everyone is against you, especially, especially when no one else sees the abuse that's behind the closed doors. Well, now, you know, when your abuser is a covert narcissist and no one else sees it, 
You can even like when you're trying to explain it to your own friends and family, you can even feel like you're under attack from them. This pushes that victim, you, the victim, even further into protective mode. And in protective mode, remember, the quills are out. And people that you don't even mean to stab get stabbed. Now, once you are out of that relationship, you will still carry some of this. When you're first out, those quills will still be up for quite a while. And it takes effort. It takes time to put this back down, to feel safe again. Please recognize that those quills will still be up. Please recognize, you know, that those people around you that are getting pricked and they react to that prick that you might not even realize that it's because of your own quills that are up, your own survival skills that are, that are still stabbing the people around you. Now, even as you're able to begin to relax and trust, triggers will still, still send you right back into that defensive posture. So I want to talk for a minute about what are triggers. You might have heard some of this conversation. You know, triggers are anything that reminds you consciously or subconsciously of your past abuse. Someone says something very similar to how your abuser spoke. They might say the same phrase. There might be a phrase that your abuser used. Someone says that phrase and instantly you are right back in that defensive posture. Someone gets unexpectedly, you know, short and snappy with you. Someone that's not usually like that. And maybe their defenses are up. Their quills are up for whatever reason. Might have nothing to do with you, but their quills are up. And so they get short or snappy with you. Well, now your quills go up because you go into that defensive posture. Maybe, you know, someone cuts you off while you're trying to express your thoughts, opinions, and feelings. You're, you're trying to voice, trying to learn again to voice your own thoughts. And someone cuts you off or talks right through you. And again, those quills come out. It might even be a specific sound. You know, I'll give you an example for me. For quite a while, it was our garage door. When the garage door opened, that was a trigger for me for quite some time. You know, before my boys ever started driving, the sound of that garage door always meant that my husband was home. My husband, this covert narcissist in my life. My heart would get heavy. My stomach would ache. My body would tense up. If I had quills, I can picture all of them standing on end just because of the sound of the garage door. Well, after the divorce, by now my boys were driving and when they would come home and open that garage door, I could still feel that physical and emotional reaction inside of me. You know, it's funny, but I never even realized how much I reacted to that garage door until after the divorce, until after he was gone. When I felt that reaction, when my boys got home, that's when I noticed and realized that the garage door was a trigger for me. The difference between me and in my new emotionally safe home and the response to that trigger was huge. And that's what made it so noticeable that I could identify that as a trigger in my life. Well, as soon as I identified it, it disappeared. As soon as I realized it, it was no longer a trigger. Specific situations can be triggers too. You know, while I was in that abusive marriage and I had two young children at home, anytime I was not at home with them, I was worried. Anytime I was not, you know, when I knew they were home alone with their dad, I was worried. I came home so many times to anger, frustration, and tears. I never knew what the emotional state of my boys would be when I walked in the house. And I was always worried about it. So if I went grocery shopping at night, and I'm going to tell you that I almost never did. 
I always would try to go during the day when the boys were at school or while my husband was at work. That way I didn't have to deal with this. But there were times that I had to go at night, you know, forgot something or we just changed our minds on what we wanted to eat, whatever. And I had to go grocery shopping at night. I shopped as quickly as I possibly could, almost in a panic. If you had seen me in the store, you would have thought I was crazy. You know, I was like in the store, grab my stuff this way, that way, fastest checkout, rush to the car, hurry home. Anyone who got in my way would absolutely have been hit by a quill or two or three. You know, I was always thinking that if I could just get there fast enough, I could get there before there were any blowups or any issues and I could keep things calm. Well, after the divorce, I remember going to the grocery store one evening and I was rushing like a mad person through the store. It was nighttime and I was in and out of aisles. I was hurrying like my house was on fire. My heart was racing. My stomach was in knots. And then I realized it. I stopped for a minute. I assessed how I felt. I felt panicked. And I asked myself, why? Why am I hurrying so much? And that was when I realized it. A lot of triggers you will not realize until you are out of the relationship. This was how I had been grocery shopping for years when I had to go at night. But I no longer had to do this. I could relax. I could just shop. I purposefully walked down one aisle after another, noticing new things on the shelves that I had not seen, like ever. I felt my heart settle back down. My breathing returned to normal. I no longer had to live like this. Again, the recognition of a trigger is sometimes all it takes for that trigger to no longer activate your trauma responses. So what are your triggers? You may know some of them now. You might. There's a very good chance that you have some that you are not even aware of, though. A new trigger can rear its ugly head years from now, seemingly out of nowhere. But they don't come out of nowhere. Memories get buried deep inside. It's a sound, a smell, a feeling. See it for what it is. It's a trigger that sets off a trauma response in you. So do you know what your triggers are now? Simply identifying them will automatically start a healing process in you. Sometimes that's all it takes. Your own awareness is the best tool when it comes to healing. It's one of the main tools that the covert narcissist lacks. It's what keeps them stuck in their own survival tactics for their entire life. Now, trauma responses definitely can stick around for quite a while. You can do a lot of healing work and think that you're ready for a new relationship even. And you're happily into this beautiful relationship and one day something triggers you. You explode in a way that shocks your new partner completely. May even shock yourself. But it'll leave that partner unsure. It'll leave them questioning, where did this come from? The more you are aware of your own trauma responses, the more you are able to change them. And when one triggers, when one sets off all of a sudden out of nowhere... Please take a minute, step back, reflect on it, pay attention to it, notice what it is. Be honest with that new partner. Be honest in that new relationship and say, hey, I am so sorry. This came out of nowhere and it surprised me as much as it did you. And, and be open, be open and be honest. And please remember that this is not the old you experiencing old feelings and old responses. You haven't gone backwards. You're not going back to all of that. Let's say you're five years down the road and this happens. That can leave you very frustrated thinking, man, I'm not making any progress. 
But when you get triggered and, and you react like this, you know, I know that frustration. You're not alone. It doesn't mean you're not making progress. This is not the old you experiencing old feelings and old responses. This is a new you experiencing new feelings and new responses. I'm going to explain what I mean. These are not reactions to your abuser anymore. Your abuser is not in your life anymore. These are reactions to things that remind you of your abuser. This is you not experiencing abuse, but instead experiencing memories of that abuse. This is new territory. See it for what it is. This is, again, the new you with all the work you have done. You're not that old self anymore. This is a new you experiencing new feelings. This change of perspective can be extremely helpful in your healing journey. Now, we've been talking about survival tactics and these trauma responses, and I hope you've been able to identify some of your own. You may see some now and others may show up further down the road. The more subtle a response is, the better hidden it's going to be. Just like the more subtle the abuse is from a covert narcissist, the more hidden it is. The more subtle your trauma responses are, the more hidden they're going to be, even from you. So don't be surprised if you're years down the road and you still discover one. It's a lifelong journey. Everyone has some trauma responses of some sort. You know, we've all been hurt in life some. Even people who've never been with a covert narcissist, they still have some trauma responses. So don't judge yourself for reacting. Focus on your awareness and work to turn it off. So how? How do you turn them off? How do you turn off these survival skills? Well, part of this you're already doing. Learn, read, watch videos, listen to podcasts. If you're here today, you're already doing some of that. Understand what has been going on in your life. And remember, your own awareness of it is your best tool. Find others who get it. Share your story with them. I have a Facebook support group with over 51,000 members. Come join us. It's a closed group. The group is called Covert Narcissism Group, or CNG. Join it. Share your story with other victims. There's so much healing right there. Another way to turn off the survival skills is to recognize and accept that you are no longer under attack. Those quills that come up when the porcupine, porcupine feels not safe will prick anybody around them, whether that person is attacking them or not. The same thing is true with you. So recognize that you are no longer under attack that will let the quills settle back down in you. You know, covert narcissists, they believe they're under attack all the time. So their quills are up all the time. They prick everyone all the time. So their survival skills, you know, they actually dominate who they are. It becomes their entire personality. Be like a porcupine. We know porcupines can put the quills down. Like we've seen pictures or videos of that. Maybe you've seen them in real life. And so we know that they can put the quills down. But if we only saw a por one porcupine that uh, quills were up all the time and that's who they were, everybody would know to stay away from that porcupine. Well, the same thing is true with the covert narcissist. Their quills are up all the time. You learn to stay away from that person. And when you are living with a covert narcissist, you're under attack all the time. So your survival skills are fully engaged and on high alert. Your quills are up all the time. You've got to be able to put these back down. Once you are out, you need to consciously work on this. You are not under attack. Your friends are not out to get you. Your family is not out to get you. And if there is anyone in your life who is kind of, you know, maybe attacking you, you need to make some space between you and that person. You need to surround yourself with a few close people who are not attacking you. You need people in your life where you do feel safe. 
you know, you might disagree on something, you know, you're going to have differing opinions, but that's okay. That's not what I'm talking about here. Put your guard down and start trusting again. The random people in the grocery store, they're not out to get you. The drivers around you on the road, they're not out to get you. Start focusing on relaxing. So I'm going to give you today three tools for turning off the survival skills. These tools are life changers. They are mindfulness, meditation, and visualization. And right here, right now, I'm going to apply them specifically to victims of covert narcissistic abuse. So mindfulness, what is it? It is paying attention to your own inner world. It's a lot of what we've been talking about. Noticing what your mind is thinking. Are you prepping conversations? Are you defensive? Are you defending yourself before a word even comes out of your head? You know, how many times are you playing through in your mind how to say something before you can spit it out of your mouth? All of this is going on inside your head. Mindfulness is your awareness of it. Knowing what you are thinking about rather than just being lost inside in a muff, in a just a, a random mixture of thoughts. Knowing how your thoughts affect you rather than just being a victim of them. Choosing the activities of your mind rather than your mind just having free reign. Again, when you're a victim of a covert narcissist, your mind, the thoughts inside your mind can get extremely jumbled. You've lived through so many circular conversations that even just trying to think in a straight line can be difficult. I understand this. I've been there. But start paying attention to your own thoughts. Don't judge them. Just watch them. You know, we're going to talk about that in the meditation because that's how you do this. But just start noticing your thoughts. What are you thinking about? You know, what direction is your mind is your mind going right now? And if it's bouncing around and going in a thousand different directions, that's fine. Notice it. Meditation is the second tool. And meditation is setting aside a period of time to sit and do nothing except watch the activity of your mind. It's not a sit and do nothing. People think, okay, I got to stop thinking and not think. No, sit and watch the activity of your mind. Think about if you've got a friend that you want to get to know better and you sit and you listen to that friend talk. This is how you learn who they are. Well, this is how you do this with yourself. You sit and you listen to yourself talk inside, in your mind. You watch them. You observe your thoughts like you're an outsider looking in. Don't judge them. You don't judge that friend. You just sit and you listen to them talk. So don't, and then don't force them. Just like that friendship, it will blossom best when you don't force it and you don't manipulate it. Well, this is the same here. Don't force your thoughts. Don't manipulate your thoughts. Just watch them. Trust the process and trust the journey. Now, the last tool is visualization. I really like this one, especially for victims of covert narcissistic abuse. This is when you take some of that time and you visualize yourself in a specific situation. You know, I performed on the piano for many, 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 many years. And visualization was a very effective tool for me to prep for a performance. If I had a big performance coming up, I would visualize in my mind every day for like a month before that performance, I would visualize myself having a successful performance. And what's successful to me was, is being able to perform relaxed, you know, not defensive, not protective, not forcing it, just relaxed and play the piano like I know how to play the piano. And did it make things perfect? No, that wasn't the goal. But it allowed me to relax and just be the musician that I am. Well, here's the same thing. Visualization, visualize yourself relaxing in life. 
it's it it's you're just completely relaxed you're completely cared for this is what i want you to visualize yourself completely relaxed you are safe your defenses are down your walls are down and for five minutes in this exercise notice how it feels to feel safe i applied this to the, the my piano world where i just i was on stage i might have had 200 people watching the performance but i was relaxed i felt safe and my performances became so much more successful. So will your life. Visualize yourself being safe. Allow your body, mind, and soul to feel this, to enjoy this. And the more you do it, the more you will desire it. The more you will connect with it, the more you will crave it. And you will begin removing yourself from the people in your life who don't match this feeling. You will spend less and less time with them. You don't like how you feel around them. And so you will start making some space but you will also begin connecting with people in your life who match this feeling of safety. You won't even realize it. Maybe, maybe you will, maybe you're not depends on how high your awareness is, but you will simply start spending more and more time with people who match that safety that you desire. Stay with these three exercises. They are life changing. I wish you so much peace on this journey of healing. And I, I'm so glad that you've been taking this journey with me. I do want to say a happy Thanksgiving to everybody there that's that's in the U.S. And, and everybody around the world. I just want you to know that it is a time in your life that I hope that you can find things to be thankful for. Things to just enjoy. Friends and family that you really truly can connect with and be safe with. So please look at that during this week and, and pay attention to that. I also want to add I will not be doing a podcast on Wednesday of this week. So we will do a podcast beginning again on Sunday. So you got one week. And then from there, I will uh, explore whether we're doing two times a week or one time a week. I'm still looking into some of that. But thank you so much to everyone who has joined me in this little mini series. I wish you all the best. I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you.